Welcome to the Gate Drop Podcast. GateDrop.com, giving you the jump in motocross news. Hello and welcome to the review of the third round of the MS Supercross Series at San Diego with myself, Jonathan McCready and Andy McKinstry. And Andy, this Supercross Series, especially in this 450 class, just keeps getting more and more unpredictable. Ten riders pretty much have a chance at this title as things stand. Yet again, the fastest guy, who probably would mean the fastest guy now when you look back at the first three rounds, Jason Anderson, he ended up not getting the results he deserved. Looked like he was going for the win with Chase Saxon, and now Chase Saxon gets his first win of the season. He could have the big momentum coming in. Jason Anderson had to nurse the bike to eighth, but by right, he should have the red plate, but he doesn't. That's Eli Tomac. And there's a lot more went on as well. But how was what were your thoughts of uh, round three in San Diego? Yeah, I mean, the championship battle is the big picture so far this year. Obviously, the race in the day one was very, very good. It, uh, the second round in San Diego, I thought the, the racing was quite similar. Not unbelievable, but uh, in terms of the championship chase and the unpredictability of it, it you can't, nothing's in the script at the minute. Uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Jason Anderson right now is fifth in the championship and only five points off. You know, coming into the championship, if you said Anderson would have been in this position three rounds in, you'd have been like, Pete having a good season. But actually, when you look at it and you review the races, you know, as you say, I think he's been the best rider so far this year. And if if it wasn't for a bit of bad luck, he'd definitely have the red play right now. But at the same time, I think he'll take a lot of confidence with the the way he's riding, the speed, how he's adapted to the Kawasaki so quick. And uh, it's definitely big progress for him. Although I suppose the other side to it is Eli Tomac will feel like, you know, the first round was pretty much a disaster from where Eli Tomac's sitting. The next two rounds, he's rode well, consistent, but still not vintage Eli Tomac. So for him to have the red plate, uh, he'll be very, very happy. Although maybe at the same time now, that might add a little bit of pressure to Tomac. And now, he, as long as he doesn't feel like he thinks he should be winning and maybe take that unnecessary risk to win a race now, um, if he can just keep consistent the way he's been doing, he, he might be a, a major factor in this championship. And then I suppose that you can say the same thing about Webb. Started the season well. Uh, San Diego, not too bad. Fourth. The second round wasn't too great, but he was sick. But again, for him only to be a point off, you know, the, at the minute, Tomac and Webb, they're they're the two con- consistent guys and they'll be expecting more as the season progresses. So it's in terms of the championship chase, who knows at this stage? Yeah, I think if Anderson had won that race, especially catching down that, that gap that Chase Sexton had, he was going to be the man to beat and really was established himself as the man to beat. And they've been Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb. Yes, the points would still have been within range. But at that point, I feel they would have known, uh-oh, there's a guy high on confidence here. He knows how to win a title before. He's on a team, as Eli Tomac knows, has won a title before. We can't let him get on a roll. Whereas now, I think everyone's still pretty much in the same position. We can win this title. And probably we'll talk about Chase Sexton here. He's most definitely in that position. He's one point off the lead. He's finally, finally got that big 450 race win that he's, he's been looking for. And I asked him in the press conference if it was a weight off his shoulders, and he, he said it was a weight off his shoulders. I think that tells you how big maybe that was playing on his mind before. And he'd said he'd had plenty of times to 
to get that win and he hadn't delivered it. So this time he was really focused on, on trying to do that. He made the pass early on Muscogan, which was interesting after his crash, where he felt he wasn't maybe impatient enough to force the pass on Roxon at round one. This time he made the pass on Muscogan and was checking out. There's still a question mark, perhaps, if Anderson hadn't uh, had that bike issue. Would he have been able to catch Saxon? Maybe, and it certainly would have put more pressure on Chase coming down to, to close the deal at the end of the race. But aside from that, that's a bit of an unknown. He still had Eli Tomac right on him, and he pulled away from Eli six, seven seconds. Pretty impressive race. It was still his first win. He still had that pressure, and he actually made a mistake near the end at the end of the whoop section. I think it was a lap or two to go. So he's got that, that big monkey off the back, as, as you say, and he seems to recognize that it maybe was plaguing him a wee bit, trying to get that first win. Now a point behind. I think he's thinking title, and he said he also said he didn't want it to be a one a one race wonder, a one hit wonder. So I don't think he's looking at that as his one and only supercross win. I think he's now right. I I can win again, and I want to do more of this. So I think Anderson's mechanical and through obviously no fault of Anderson's has given a big momentum to Chase Sexton because Anderson had the opportunity, even if he didn't beat Chase, to show he was the fastest guy by closing him down. I don't think Chase Sexton is going to worry about that now. He's got that win. Anderson, you wonder if at the end of the season. If he loses this title by a few points, I mean, round one and round three is going to be hard for him to take, looking back on it. But as you say, Eli Tomek, he's Mr. Consistent at the minute. You still feel there's more to come from him. But round four, again, we say this every week, each round seems to throw up more question marks. You're waiting for somebody to take control. Maybe an Eli Tomek, Cooper Webb to come back to their level. But there is the fear, and Jason Anderson showed it this week until he had that mechanical from the moment he got on the track and practiced both qualifying sessions you're unbelievably fast but look unbelievably confident on the bike and i think that was proven in the main event i think he started around seventh came through pretty much everyone and was reeling in or starting to reel in chase Sexton at the lead and he had to pass all the best guys to do it and he was ruthless we saw what he did with ken roxon when he saw he had an opportunity so anderson's feeling it right now and for me he's actually still the guy to beat even though the points doesn't really tell you that just yet yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a funny one, this championship, because, you know, championship battles, it will come down to probably who is going to be the most consistent front runner. But so far in this championship, we're three rounds in and they've all been inconsistent so far. So, so it's quite strange, you know, even Tomac and Webb, who I did say have been the most consistent, they have still had one bad race each. So yeah, it's, it's strange. I think, yeah, it's very, very strange. Like basically nobody's been consistent so far. So it's allowed for one, everyone to have at least one bad race each. So, I mean, with regards to Chase Saxon, I do feel like he'll win races. But over the course of the season, I think his biggest question mark is going to be consistency, which hasn't come into play so far this, this season. Um, but what I would say is it was the perfect way for him to get his first Supercross um, race win. You know, he, he, he got an early lead, he pulled out a nice gap, and then he didn't have to worry about anyone behind him. He just controlled things at the front, and it was just like a practice day. Whenever it comes to your first Supercross win, that's the sort of, the sort of win you want. Obviously, maybe he got a little bit lucky. We don't really know, uh, but what we can say is it's kind of irrelevant if you're sitting where Jason Anderson's sitting because it doesn't really matter if he would have won it or not. He had, he had second in the bag, and that would have still meant he had the red plate. I do think he would have uh, certainly closed up more in Chase Saxons, but it is difficult to say if he would have closed right on his back wheel and made the pass. That's two entirely different things. 
he's certainly ruthless enough to do it, but we'll never know, unfortunately. But like I say, it wouldn't have really mattered because second, and he'd still be leading the championship, and he would he'd have a lot of confidence. My question to you is, I know J- Jason Anderson has won a Supercross title before under the watchful eye of Alden Baker, but was Jason Anderson ever this good before? I personally think he's riding the best he ever has. Yeah, funny you say mm-hmm. that. It was the way he was riding at San Diego, that thought actually crossed my mind, especially that main event. For me, that might have been his most impressive race, just in terms of he had the pace all day. He actually, I think it was the second qualifying session, Verandas had pole, or fastest qualifier, and Anderson, after the pretty much on his last lap, he just laid it all on the line to take pole off, off Verandas. And then again, he didn't get the start in the main event, and I was thinking, oh, that's a bit of a shame for him because it almost should have been his main event by the pace he had in qualifying. And he still he was still going to make a fist of it, as I said. He had to pass pretty much all the big hitters who you would imagine will end up or feel they're, they're the main championship contenders by the end of the season. And he was doing that on a track that wasn't massively easy to pass on, maybe bar the whoops. And he was making those passes, getting away and going for the next guy straight away. And he, he had, definitely had his sights set on Chase Sex and he wasn't settling. So I feel like he felt he was the man. He felt he was the quickest guy and he wanted to get the job done. I think that might have been maybe as a whole day's package, his most impressive 450 race, you're right. And this experience with the Kawasaki team having won championships before, he seems at home there already. And I I think already he alluded to the fact that there's stuff he wants to work on as well. So we, as Lowell, were saying Eli Tomac might have more to come. Cooper Webb might have more to come. There's a chance that Jason Anderson still has more to come as well. That's only his third race in the bike. Yeah, it's a good point that actually. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how this championship battle develops. But I definitely agree with you uh, in terms of that was probably Anderson's most impressive race in terms of sheer speed. Because obviously, obviously he has got a Supercross title in the past. But correct me if I'm wrong, there was quite a lot of injuries that year. What What's so impressive about Anderson's start of the season is everybody is currently there. There's no injuries, and I mean he's been the fastest rider in terms of speed. When you, uh, if you look back at the first three rounds, and like you say, it's the first three races on the Kawasaki, so there's definitely as he uh, adjusts even more to the bike, you know, there's there's potentially room there to grow. I still do think Tomac and Webb have more room to grow, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see how it's how it all pans out. Yeah, and another interesting thing, just to highlight the inconsistency of, of everyone this year, was the top three, Chase Sex, Neil I, Tomac, and Dylan Ferranis. That was their first uh, podium all year for all three riders. Yeah. Eli Tomac, you would have expected he'd maybe have got a podium before this, but he's got second, and as I said, he's got the red plate, which sort of highlights how mad the season has been. Dylan Ferranis, speed-wise, probably should have had a podium beforehand, but terrible starts and, and this and that have, have really scuppered him. He finally got a good start. I said good start. He started sixth, and then Jason Anderson passed him. And at the start of the race, I was or the main when that happened, I was kind of wondering what what's going on with Dylan because we needed we wanted him to see what he could do with a good start. And then it looked like maybe our expectations were higher than what the reality is going to turn out to be. But Anderson passed him, and I think maybe from there Dylan started settling down. So maybe there's a because he hasn't really seen the start of the the front of the pack at the start of a race. That intensity that the, the lead guys have in the first two or three laps, it maybe took him a while to adjust to that. Once he did, he really got going up to third. And then, yes, Cooper Webb, as he does, didn't have a great day, wasn't on the board, really all practice. 
he kind of figured out enough to keep himself in contention during the main event, and he did pressure Dylan a bit towards the end, but Brandis held on, got that third, and I think now, again, if we can see the starts, Ferrandis might really start going for these wins if he can get away because he probably needed that podium, passing a couple of good guys as well to get there. Hopefully that'll give him the confidence. And he said they've been working on the bike, obviously with starts, starts, starts and changing things on the bike to get these better starts. And if sixth might not be a great start for a lot of riders, but for Dylan Ferrandis, that probably is. And if he can kind of consistently get in around that top five, four to six even, at least it gives him a chance now. So it'll be interesting to see where Dylan takes this first podium, a better start. Can this become a consistent situation for Dylan Fernandez? Yeah, I have to say, whenever I was watching the main event and I seen Fernandez sitting sixth on the first lap, I was thinking to myself, that's like a whole shot for that guy. He, he yeah. doesn't know what this is like in the first lap. So, uh, And obviously Anderson, as we've alluded to throughout this podcast already, He's probably been the fastest guy this year, so don't think we need to worry too much about him passing Dylan. And Dylan's always the sort of guy that when it hits the halfway mark, he always seems to uh, up his pace, and he's one of the fittest guys there as well. So I think his speed in the second half is always a little bit better than the first half, probably due to the fact he's not used to running at the front. Um, But it was nice to see him you know, get away in sixth and run at the front, and it's no surprise to me to see him on the podium. I think... He can win races this year. Whether or not he's going to be able to put himself in the position to win these races is another question. But certainly if he can get starts like that every week, he'll be getting plenty of podiums, I think, because he, you know, he's as fast as anybody there, really. Um, so and after the disaster of the first round, you know, he's 10th in the championship, which sounds terrible, but it's only 14 points off first, and he's had his... His, you know, his terrible night, let's say. So as long think, as he can avoid a disaster like that again, you know, the only way is up for Dylan, I think. I think that's, that's the key thing for, for Fernandez. Yes, it was only two rounds in, but the championship was looking least likely for him as it was for everyone else. But only 14 points with the way this is going. If he can get starts and get things going speed-wise, I think he has it. Well, again, we saw that in qualifying. Qualifying, so... Ferrandis only 14 back because of the craziness of this season so far. And you would say has that was probably an average race for maybe what his potential could actually be if he really gets things rolling and really gets a good start and gets gets the confidence going. So Ferrandis, for me, now the way this, I thought he was maybe going to be, you're going to have to count him out early of this championship, but 14 points, I don't think you can right now. No, I would agree. You can't count them out. It's only 14 points, but he's just going to have to try and get better starts, you know, if he's... If he can get starts like that every weekend, I think he can do it. But, you know, the starts the first two rounds, you know, he's never going to win a championship starting from there. Nobody would. So let's see. Uh, start, start, starts as far as Dylan Frandes is concerned. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe one rider has finished all main events in the top five so far this season. Is that right? One here. I, I don't think no. they have. I don't think anybody has, which is unbelievable, really, if you think about it. Right, t- tell me that again. I'm going to have a look at these points here. Go. I don't think any rider in the 450 class has finished all three main events in the top five. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Justin Barsha kind of yeah, well, wrecked he, that he, one. Yeah. Cooper Webb? Nope, he was seventh in round two. And Eli um, had a disaster the first round. He was. Yeah, what? I think you're right. I think you're uh, right. So Anderson quite obviously unbelievable would have, but didn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's he unbelievable. out of control. Yeah, that brings us actually to Ken Roxon, who hasn't been in the top five since he won. What were your thoughts on that move by Jason Anderson? To me, it looked like Kenny obviously made that mistake, went wide, 
like Ken said himself, and the way Ken went round the corner, it would look to be that's exactly what happened. He didn't know Jason Anderson was A, there, and B, would actually go for that move. A couple of other riders, Eli Tomac, Anderson went down the inside, and Tomac kind of gave him room, sort of knowing what he was going to do. But I think the difference was Tomac felt Anderson up the inside. Ken obviously didn't have a, a clue, really, that Anderson was, was close enough to even attempt that move. I'm sure he would have done something a wee bit different that didn't see him go on the ground, but it highlighted Anderson's sort of mentality that it doesn't really matter what's in front of me right now. I'm going for it. And sometimes for Ken, sometimes I think he's too nice on the track when it comes to the other riders. On the positive side, until that that crash, he was actually riding really, really well. A big rebound from last week. He even passed Cooper Webb, which has traditionally been a bit of a problem for him, and he was pulling away from Cooper. He actually looked like he could have been on on charge for a podium he was he was trying to get past Eli Tomac at the time and you wonder if there was just a lot going on and he made that mistake and his focus was ahead not behind and then suddenly he's on the ground and his race at least for a chance of a, of a podium was over and he ended up seventh but again he's only seven points off in the championship and Roxon said himself he's, if he'd had the last two results in a normal championship he could have been 30 back so everyone's able to deal with the negatives of their days because the points are so close so they're able to rebound pretty quickly mentally yeah well you asked me my thoughts on the move first of all to be honest i think roxon has to anticipate that that move is going to happen you know he's made a mistake up the whoops and if the rider behind you nails the whoops you know that you're going to catch quite a lot so i think he needs to you know anderson there's a gap there you'd want any rider to go for that gap and, and make the move so i don't think there was anything wrong with it really think Rox needs to anticipate it's coming and just let him through and hold his positions. Obviously, he's ended down the heap. And yeah, as, as you alluded to, he was riding really well before the crash, but that's two weeks in a row. I'll give him a bit of a bye ball for round two because I think he was probably in a bit of pain whenever he picked it up. But uh, at San Diego, you know, he picked it up and he didn't make any passes. But yet before that, he was riding really well. So I'm not sure. It's very frustrating with Kenny. I, don't th- I think he obviously really wants it, but Sometimes you get the impression if something goes against him, you know, he, he near gives up the fight. I don't think he is, but that's the way it comes across. So it is very frustrating. The good thing, as you alluded to, was despite the, the crashes, I mean, I, I think he's crashed three times in two weeks now over the whole mm. days. So that's not great. But the crash, you know, in two mains and still only be seven points off isn't too bad. But the, the problems for auction seem to be when if something goes wrong, you know, if, if something goes wrong for the likes of Webb, Tomac and Anderson, they're they're a, little bit, a, a bit more ruthless on the track, you know, and they'll make passes when, when, when they need to. An interesting thing as well about uh, both Chase and Ken Roxon, they, said, they both said the struggle in the whoops last weekend in Oakland. Saxon said the round that I think it was Lake Elson all right because they'd had a, a big whoop section during the week and they were testing there at the four o'clock. It seemed to be both days putting a lot of different things on, on the bike. And I think they found at least an improvement anyway. The performance from both riders was good. I know Kenny made a slight mistake in the whoops that actually ended up, ironically, for Anderson to pass him. But overall, their whoops looked a lot more stable, for want of a better word. Uh, less mistakes. Chase Saxon definitely said he had more confidence in it anyway. Roxon, there's less data really in the main event as to how he was going through them before that crash. But he, he also looked pretty comfortable. So going forward, it looks like Honda maybe have found a step with the bike to be more comfortable in the whips. And that would then lead to the thinking that if those two get a start, which they have been generally, that there could be uh, consistent factors for race wins. 
Yeah, just on that point, sometimes it makes me laugh when, you know, <laughs> the, the front of the track out to do whoops. I mean, what were they doing all over winter? You know, at Supercross, you'd think the two priorities would be nail your starts, <laughs> uh, tra- do a bit of whoops session, do a bit of whoops training, you know, over your two or three months winter. But anyway, they've definitely improved since round two in that element. So that's the positive. And yeah, it was it was strange to see them both struggling, but as you say, the positive is they were able to turn it around in San Diego and they looked a lot more comfortable. And obviously both have the speed. Um and you can't rule either out for the championship battle just yet. Right, let's move on to, to Justin Barsha. He was the points leader coming in. He talked in the press conference last week about how he's a lot mentally stronger this this weekend or this year. And I figured that maybe come to to, te- to be tested this weekend, especially with the red plate. He had a bad start. It's always an around drama generally, Justin. And for the second week out of three, he's been involved in some sort of collision, tech out, tech down. And for him, unfortunately, he was the recipient of a bit of revenge from a very angry Justin Bogle who just waited for him. I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. He just waited for him. He was a lap down because Barsha had cleaned Bogle out. Bogle then questioned whether Justin Barsha actually has a brain or a full brain, at least, inside his head. And um, Bogle waited for him, just pulled the trigger on the clutch, went straight in them and put Barsha down. You wonder if these sort of situations were a kind of trigger happy Justin Barsha to pull the move on a pass, almost the complete opposite to Ken Roxon. You have to find the balance. Ken Roxon at times you might be too clean and too fair. He can get bullied sometimes. We saw Jason Anderson, Cooper Webb last time. But Justin Barsha, he's maybe too much the other way, too aggressive. And while you can get away with that to an extent, then sometimes you're going to have a Justin Bogle who's just going to wait for you and um, pay you back. And you're going to have a hard time winning the championship if you've half the field trying to put trying to put you down as revenge. Yeah, you're not wrong. Although what I would say is, I mean, he's out of it. He's, he's done okay for yeah, points a, wise, a bad, yeah. yeah, and for a bad, Weekend, everyone's had at least one bad race so far. So, Barsha's thought he'd join the party and have a have a <laughs> bad one himself. In the end, it was it was ninth after he got that one spot, so only three points off. So, you know, he's still in there. I think with Barsha, it's going to come down to starts. I think if he can start good every weekend, he's a sort of rider that you know he's determined. He'll he'll just he'll watch who's ahead of him and he'll try and fault, replicate what they're doing. I think it's more difficult for Barsha if he gets bad starts. So. He'll try, he'll try and put that behind him this weekend. Yeah, and I think riding-wise, he was actually good, Barsha, but yeah. that, that execution wasn't there in the start and then that led to everything else that, that unfolded. Um, Just before we go to 250s, a couple of other guys, Shane McElrath, four, I don't know, he wasn't 14th, he was 13th, I think, did he get in the end? Yeah, I think it was um, 13th. 13th, yeah. Bit of an improvement for him. He didn't really get the start as good as he had in the first couple of rounds, so maybe he was a bit camera that, that all those guys chasing him he's improving a bit um adam Cincerello, he had to take the night off after the heat race he had a crash in practice so we're waiting to see if that's going to be a few weeks or if he's going to try again next week so a wee bit there where we're starting to lose a wee bit of the depth here already joey savace apparently he'd done his sel so he could be out for a mm. while then he ended up yeah. in, in the crash so we're slightly starting to lose, guys, especially when you're coming to Joyce Savace, a good top 10 rider, Adamson Cirillo. He's had the speed probably to be well in this championship chase. So hopefully it's maybe just a week off for Adam because it almost looked like he was, was getting a wee bit better and he was quick again in practice in San Diego. Positive for Justin Braden. He missed round two with COVID. He came back for 11. Max Anstey, strong ride again. Pretty impressed with Max, actually. 10 to, seems to be 10 to 15 every week. 
no big mistakes and no doubt learning, learning the bike. Again, he hasn't that much supercross experience really, so to be doing this is pretty good. Dean Wilson, 14th, I think, from, from the back. And like, we know about Justin Bogle, that didn't go well for him. Josh Hill got 18th. Ryan Brace, who was part of the last chance qualifying mm-hmm. drama last week, he got in, didn't get getting any revenge takeouts for him, and he got two points. So again, those guys at, at the back there getting in with a couple of factory riders out, it gives a wee bit more room for them to get into the main event. Expect, obviously, Justin Bogle to, to come back a bit stronger. He's had a hard time, I think. One of his best friends was killed there a week, maybe two weeks ago it is now. So a lot of different things going on for Justin Bogle as well as I don't think the prep he wanted to coming in the season. So we all know he has good speed and he actually started the main event off well. So maybe a few weeks time, we'll see the, the full potential of Justin Bogle. But that was the 450 class. Basically, it's completely mad at the minute and no one has a clue what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we forgot about Marvin Musquin. Not to be negative on Marvin, who's an unbelievable rider, but he's had two de- decent first two rounds, got the whole shot. And for me, this was the chance to really show that I can contend for this title if you're Marvin Musquin. Unfortunately, Saxon put the pass on him and then it looked like mentally completely unraveled. They actually said in, in the press release that he started thinking backwards instead of forwards. And to me, obviously, we know how good Marvin Musquin is as a rider. That was not rideability. That was a mental issue just with the intensity and like he couldn't get his rhythm or something every time he tried to do anything somebody else was on him and it just went from bad to worse for Marvin Musquin 10th place from first yeah not a, not a good week you know the thing that strikes me about Musquin is and why I don't think we've ever really considered him a supercross championship contender you know he's not really a race winner you know he's, mm. he's usually a consistent three to six guy maybe even four to eight guy and you're never really surprised but you know he's one of those riders if he gets a whole shot even when he gets a whole shot, you never really think he's going to win the race. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but when it comes to Supercross, harsh. that's how I feel anyway. But um, yeah, the firm Don Ravel like that was not not good. It was probably it was probably the start that done it. You know, he probably would have been <laughs> better just because yeah. of how mental you know he is. Probably would have been better for him if he started third or fifth, and then you know just try and watch your riders in front of him replicate what they're doing. But just goes to show it can happen at any any level that you're riding, even the, the pros. Yeah, and think, just on, oh, just on Max Anstey, I feel like the times in qualifying, he's getting a lot better. Uh, you know, with Supercross, there's two elements to it, really, whenever you're not used to it. It's doing a fast lap on your own, which I think now he has nailed, but that's it's quite a bit different to racing Supercross. Yeah. You have all sorts of carnage going around you. So I think that's his next step, but it looks like he should be able to Maybe get in, break into this top 10 soon, hopefully. And um, just on Stewart and Plessinger, I felt like Plessinger had a bad night, but actually to finish sixth, oh, he's come on well, pretty yeah. much dead yeah. on. And, and Stewart, you never really noticed him, but fifth is sneaky good. He's been, aside yeah. from that loads of speed he had at round one, he has been sneaky good. Yeah. And obviously both are still in the points with us. Aaron Plessinger's sixth on 54. He's just five behind Eli Tomac. And Stewart's on 52. So for Anstey into that top 10, really, to me, you're almost at the minute talking about 10 guys who could, in theory, win a title or at least races or podiums. That's a bit of a jump. But again, we know Anstey has talent. So if he can get the starts, get into that pace, he could possibly end up becoming one of those those guys as well, at least in terms of getting those top 10 performances, finishes, race in, race out if he gets uh, 
that wee bit extra probably confidence and more comfortable on the bike. But it certainly looks to be yeah. just going with the way things are a step to go from that 11 to 15 position to that top 10. And you might have to add Adam Cincerillo into that as well at some point. Well, I wasn't meaning he'll do it overnight, but I mean, well, like, there's yeah, going to be injuries to factor. Uh, there's going to be injuries to factor in. That was my thinking. And he's in 12th. Well, yeah, you know, he's yeah. only two spots off it. So he's not far away. Just a few on, more injuries and he should be knocking on the door, you know. On Musquin again, regarding what happened, I think I remember Roger DeCoster saying that Musquin, when he makes a mistake, he, he really thinks on it and he can get into his own head about it. He can't just put it behind him like the way Ricky Carmichael would and Cooper Webb's probably the, the modern-day equivalent of that. If he's having a bad night, he can make the best of it. If things start to go wrong for Marvin, it seems to unravel a lot more than it probably needs to if, if he wants to be champion. And he can win races for me, but it kind of has to go right. He has to feel good that they maybe get a couple of second lead to get a bit more relaxed. When they go and gets kind of tough or something goes wrong for, for Marvin, that seems to be when he has the trouble. Whereas a Cooper Webb, as we've seen, he can he can fight it out and fight through that and, and make the best of it. So Marvin, to me, that was a quite a damaging race. It'll be interesting. He's working with David Villeman now. It'll be interesting if Villeman can help him overcome that and he can come out swinging again next weekend. Points-wise, obviously, he's still in and around there in, in ninth, 47 points. So it's not a total disaster that way. But if he got a top three there, he would have been right up in that top five probably for, for the championship. So he's probably the one rider out of that top 10 at the minute that's, that's got a bit of negativity going on in his mind. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, obviously, you mentioned Villeman working with him, but mentality, it's its hard to change a rider's mentality, especially yeah. one that's in the last year of the professional riding. You know, it's one of those things. It's hard to teach. You've either got it or you don't. So it's maybe a little bit late for that, but um, hopefully he can just put that bad round behind him and, I, I, I didn't say I don't think I mean I still I didn't mean that he can't win races I think I think he can mm. he's got the ability but what I meant was you know you're never really convinced but you know even if he gets a whole yeah, shot yeah, to some yeah. riders is some riders if you get a whole shot you're like well you know you're, you're gonna have yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> exactly yeah that's, that's what I meant right moving on to the 250s quickly here everything was going super good for Christian Craig he was in one of those practice sessions, he was actually second fastest overall, including the 450s. That's the level he's riding at at the minute. And then suddenly he gets to the first turn of uh, the main event. And under Lawrence goes quite a hard left. Kind of runs into Craig. Craig had nowhere to go and a massive pileup. But for me, the positive of that was Craig, sometimes under pressure on those crisis situations, maybe a wee bit like Marvin actually, hasn't always been able to fight through it and make the best of it. But it, Yes, the failure probably would say isn't the deepest with a couple of injuries now in that class, but he, he still had to do it. He had to not make his own mistakes. And he you have Vince Freeze around there to try and wreck everything for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Craig got into fourth. He manages to get around Vince Freeze without getting taken out to get into third. And in a weird way, not winning might actually give him extra confidence mm-hmm. because he's shown to himself he can overcome a kind of nightmare scenario when everything was was going so well previously. Yeah, I think that's the problem for his championship contenders now. I mean, he's had, he's just had to come pick himself off the ground, come from last and get to third. So in his head now, he'll be even more confident that if something goes wrong again, you know, he's got that much more sheer speed than the rest of them. It's it's really going to take something miraculous. For, well, it's going to take an injury, let's be honest, for him not to win this championship. Um yeah. Well, he's don't just got that a little bit that. more. Well, 
Well, we'll see. I think Hunter's definitely the second next quickest, but you know, it's almost not fair for Hunter because yeah. Craig just has so much more experience. It's, it's for me, it's just a bit of, bit of a pity he's not on a 450, but that's the way it is. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him on a 450 class because I feel like, especially if he gets a star Yamaha, you know, he'll be in that top and in, in amongst that top 10. And as we've seen, there's 10 guys that can win in the 450 class. So, yeah, he's a pretty good starter on, on Hunter Lawrence. He kind of felt that like that was his chance to really change the momentum and he maybe needed that win, especially even just to put a bit of pressure on, on Christian. He got second. The way it all unfolded was a wee bit unlucky with the, the back markers and things in the whoops. And then he, again, he had the chance on the last lap. He maybe should have went for the move earlier, but of course, hindsight's pretty easy. He didn't know Jalik Swole was going to get in, in between them on the second half of that lap. Though definitely, I think his emotions at the end of the race was, was, was utter frustration. He knew that was a chance to get another three points on uh, on Christian, which would have brought the gap down to, I think, 70, don't even three back. And now it's six, which means you're probably going to have to beat Christian straight up at some point here to, to really go for this title. Michael Moseman, he took the win finally, a wee bit like Christian Craig. He's had his chances. He's made mistakes. This time he delivered with pressure with Hunter Lawrence behind him. So, so that was good. But he's still 11 points back. I think he really needs a mistake from Christian Craig. Hunter probably just needs to beat Christian Craig straight up on speed at this point. But as you said, can he do that? He had the chance there to, to deliver, deliver a race win. Couldn't quite get it. And it's almost like the ball's in Hunter's court now to find that extra bit of speed because Craig's proven himself when he gets a start and now he's proven himself when he doesn't. Yeah, although I don't think Hunter should be too upset at um, mm. not winning because he showed he was the he was the quicker rider, you know, and it was the it was the crash that done it really, or the wee mistake that done it. I thought after that it was completely done actually, but he, he caught the three he's seconds he yeah. caught up very quickly. <laughs> but I mean, coming into this championship, I thought Moseyman was going to be the biggest threat for Craig, if I'm being honest. So for Hunter to be the to be the second fastest rider so far, anyway, I think he should be happy enough to be honest. Um, I think he's improved quite a lot at Supercross over over the last year, so the progress is good. I think he's as long as he can well, maybe yeah. if he could, yeah if he can win a couple this year, I think that would be good. And then maybe next year try and go for a Supercross title. As you said, it's, it's going to be difficult. Some, it's not so much that Hunter's riding bad for me; he's actually riding really, really well. Yeah. The problem is Christian Craig's running a yeah. pace that he's basically faster than most yeah. riders in the four fifty, and that's a late level factory race winning four fifty guys. It's Christian Craig being brilliant. It's not Hunter Lawrence. Yeah. Any other year, Hunter exactly. might actually have a couple of race wins. Yeah. He did, now he did try to sell me a Honda in the press conference. So <laughs> um, that question was answered differently to how I thought it would be. But thanks for the for the hunt, Honda by Red ad from Hunter Lawrence. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, he's riding well. And if Craig wasn't in that class, he'd be P1 right now. So... Yeah, it's going to be yeah. interesting. If he can just get a couple of wins, I think he should be happy enough. But I expected it. I, mean, I know Mozzieman's had a bit of bad luck here there, but I thought he would have been a little bit quicker this year, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, for me, the speed's been there. It's just been mistakes when it comes time to deliver. So it'll be interesting if, from my perspective, if that win kicks him on to where he does become Craig-level speed and he's battling with Hunter every week and he's getting the good starts and he's not making these mistakes, or will it just be a one-off win because... Craig crashed and, and Hunter went down as well. There's a wee bit more to prove, but I think just the relief of, of getting that win will be good for him because I think even in practice, he got in behind Craig 
tried to run the pace and was probably closer than anyone's really been all year on, on raw pace. And again, in the heat, he was good, keeping it close behind Craig. So I think pace-wise, not massively an issue. It's just delivering, and, and he's finally done that under slightly different circumstances, obviously, the Christian going down. So it's just a test. Can he do it again in a straight-up race with uh, Christian Craig? Also, the Brits, both, well, do we call Dylan Walsh a Brit, or is that, does he want to be Kiwi? Bit of both. Well, Dylan Walsh, born, great start. Born like, man, like... Yeah, <laughs> Dylan Walsh, great start, 11th place. He has to be over the moon with that. You can almost see his confidence getting better and better each each round. Only really the third race, and he got 11th. That's uh, pretty impressive for me, to be honest. And Dylan Woodcock in the main event again and got points after what happened to him last year. Again, that's a pretty impressive feat. Yeah, with regard to Walsh, his times are never really that impressive during qualifying, but he's almost the opposite of Anstey, yeah. probably <laughs> because he has got a little bit of Supercross experience in the past. So he's able to race better than he is maybe put in a, a, a hot lap. So 11th, pretty good. He'll be hoping to get in the top 10 soon. And I think he has got the potential to do that. And Woodcock getting points in the 18th. I mean, just for him to be out there racing and getting the main event is, is what it's all about for him. So good to see them both in the main. Yep, it was indeed. Um, that's three rounds in. Nobody's any the wiser of what's actually going to happen this season in the 450 class. So next week, I think it's back to Anaheim again. So definitely we'll be looking forward to that, seeing what uh, can yeah. unra- unravel there. And can Ken Roxon get his mojo back and start winning races? Have the let Chase Sexton the chance, the confidence, giving him the confidence to become the man? Or can Anderson rebound or Tomac and Webb get faster? Plus there's another five guys that'll have something to say about that. So Andy, thanks um, very much. Just before we go, oh, oh, last week, uh, of wisdom. I- I can't remember what you predicted, but I think I picked Malcolm Stewart randomly to get the win. I was wrong. He was fifth. I can't remember I who you predicted. Mark, maybe. Did you? Well, you were closer than Possibly. me then. But what are you going for for, for oh, this weekend to. to take the win? This oh, yeah. A, um, you have to, is right. Gonna, oh, no, I was going to say Ferrandis, but I don't trust his starts. I'm going to go Roxon. Are you? Although I think Anderson will win, but I'm going to go Roxon anyway because I think okay. Roxon kind of has to do something to get this championship back on track. Do you know what? I'm going to go for Barsha. What? Yeah. Why not? Barsha hasn't won yet, sure he hasn't. No, he usually only wins a day one, though. Mm. Not a two. Well, <laughs> the next closest. <laughs> <laughs> he might be get confused and just tell him uh, it's one again. Yeah, off he'll yeah. charge. Yeah, that's it. If he doesn't get taken out at some point by <laughs> revengeful folk. That's it. Right, that's it. I'm hungry. I'm away from my dinner. <laughs> I'll speak to you later. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Andy.